everybody. Big Dog Balls Automatic on here. Uh, the one-man army, the one-man wrecking crew, whatever you want to call it, that's who I am today. Uh, totally solo on this podcast. Uh, even taking, but yeah, if you notice the quality, the audio quality is a little bit shitty. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. That's, uh, that's my personal touch to this episode. Uh, it's uh, unavailable. Jordan still MIA in MIA, uh, holding it down, uh, listening to do uh, lots of Bad Bunny by all accounts. Uh, and I hope I hope everyone else was enthralled as I was. I, I I got Jordan's story about waiting out front to not see Drake and to not talk to Drake and to not do anything but sit there uh, like like a poser and a loser. Uh, but you know, shout out to Jordan. One day you'll be able to, to get a whiff of Drizzy and his essence. Uh, I know you uh, again. I don't even think you like his music. I don't know why you you get pumped about. It. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't barely fucking know you. Uh, but it's Matt Icorn, Big Dog Wall Talk. We're ready to break down what has been. Kind of a crazy weekend again. The week uh, the NBA has been living for the weekend lately. Not a ton of news to uh, to break during the week uh, as the last couple couple uh, Monday pods or Friday pods, pardon me. Uh, but Mondays have been fire, and uh, that's kind of what you need to, to beat a good case of the Mondays. And uh, to start things off here, I mean, this is the perfect news for a solo episode for me. Uh, my my boy, my goat, personal idol. Uh, you know, one of the the driving forces behind my my love and passion of basketball. Uh, Mr. Andrew Wiggins making his return to the Bay Area. Uh, you know, uh, it it was great to to hear. You know, from from actual, reliable, real, credible sources uh, close to the team and the league that uh, you know we're able to report. You know, unfortunately, uh, Wiggins' uh, father uh, dealing with some serious uh, medical. Uh, troubles there uh so obviously you want to extend our uh, support from the big dog dog pound over to uh andrew wiggins golden state warriors uh, all the all, all, all you guys uh you know that's a, a tough thing to deal with tough time for him uh and uh, you know props to the warriors for you know giving him that time away from the team to kind of you know be with his family uh, do stuff that you know if you were you were working in a, a you know, a different job anywhere else, you probably would be able to get a little bit more of a luxury there. Uh, but of course, uh, with the NBA, it, be, uh, it becomes a little bit of a finicky situation. But uh, Andrew Wiggins now coming back uh, and really at the perfect time. Uh, you know, this is uh, this is great news. Not only just to shut up the the internet trolls who were uh, you know going going a little bit uh, a little bit out of pocket about what could possibly be keeping him off the court, uh, but instead, you know, he's he's back in the and the Warriors right now. They're clinging to that sixth seed uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, would end up matching up with the Sacramento Kings, which by all uh, accounts, you know, we talked about it on Friday's podcast. This is the the the, 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 the sixth seed is the coveted spot right now. Nobody wants to to have to play the Nuggets or the Grizzlies in the first round. Everybody's looking at the Kings like uh, like it's uh, it's fresh meat right now. Nobody really buys into this this young and inexperienced team, especially when you have you know these guys like the Lakers, the Warriors, the Suns, the Clippers, all with these veteran greats on their team that have made noise in the playoffs, have won championships, uh, and you know we we need to kind of look at this as a, a you know a potential upset uh, waiting to happen, depending on which of these teams get matched up with them. And with Andrew Wiggins going into that lineup, you know if you take the Kings right now against the Warriors with no Wiggins. It's going to be a tough, tough call. You know that that's going to be still uh, a, a close series. But if I'm being honest, I think that without Wiggins, the Kings just steamroll the Warriors. I think it's a cakewalk for them. I don't think they have had any answers defensively. Uh, you know, for the one of the best offenses the NBA has ever seen, uh, at least scoring wise, uh, in the Sacramento Kings. Whereas 
you know, when you have a guy like Wiggins who can really guard one through four, he's long, he's speedy, he's versatile, and then he's going to chip in those 15, 16 points off the bench, or off the bench, pardon me, uh, just additionally, uh, you know, and, and he's, he's great on the glass as well. He brings a lot to this this team, and you know the guys on the team respect him and his work ethic and, you know, who he is as well, uh, and I, I hate to say it, but you know, if you if you take Wiggins and you put him on this team, and I I know maybe I'm a little bit biased, maybe I'm uh, a little too uh, excited for his return, but uh, I could see this one going to seven games. I think the defense just is able to click to a, a, another level. You add a, a lot of depth to your side. You know, it's it's the only thing that really hinders the Warriors in the situation is how healthy will Andrew Wiggins be? Apparently, you know, he's been training and working out, but you know, training and shooting alone in the gym or having you know your 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 kind of pickup runs that you've created with guys in your camp, uh, you know, maybe he's uh, been able to kind of link up with teammates at times. Who knows? Uh, you know that that's not really public out there. Uh, but I mean, he needs to get the game situations, and you know, pretty much playing no basketball this year is definitely uh, going to hinder him when he comes in and he's already do or die playoff games. Uh, you know, and, and as much as I love him. He's been a streaky player in his career. You know, he's never been super consistent. Uh, and for a, a much of his career, he also was never really known as a guy who was built for the moment. So when I look at this return, as much as he could be an asset to the Warriors, he just m- might not have the time to kind of find his footing back with the Warriors. Because otherwise, you know, you're getting a guy who's, uh, you know, he's a former first overall pick. First off, you got to respect it. Uh, second off, he's Canadian, so I guess double double the respect if you can. But Wiggins doesn't do a lot of things poorly. And in the NBA, it's pretty hard to find a guy with a complete skill set like that uh, that can stretch the floor. He can guard a big. He can guard a guard. Uh, there's not really anyone, anything completely out of his wheelhouse. Uh, you know, If you're going to nitpick anything, uh, you know, his playmaking ability could be a little bit greater. But even then, he's a guy who you can play off ball with. He's a guy who can run the offense you know, as your primary scorer, handling the rock. This is a, a guy who brings a lot of layers and also a huge, huge, huge asset not only does this give you a little bit more depth around your uh, your guards and your three spot, especially a sore spot for the Warriors, but it takes a lot of attention off of Steph Curry uh, or Jordan Poole or whoever uh, is the other dynamic shooter. He's going to be uh, you know sharing the the floor with at the time, uh, but largely Steph Curry because you already know right now he is getting hammered out there. He is getting a lot of tough looks. He's getting the toughest assignments with no breaks and you know with Clay and uh, and Poole's inconsistencies, uh, you can never rely on Draymond really uh, to actually score for you. Uh, it, it, there's not a lot of guys out there that are able to consistently go in there and help out and also help out at a different level than what he's playing with uh and Wiggins is a totally different player than Steph and he's a different player from Clay and he's a different player from Jordan Poole as well which you know just adds to the versatility and the creativity now that Steve Kerr can play with in these lineups and figure it out like I I wouldn't be surprised if we see you know another kind of a death lineup here Draymond at the five and Wiggins at the four uh I I think we could see that a lot in the playoffs as well Uh, and you know his return really could this could be the you know, we're finally seeing the full warrior squad that we've kind of been waiting to see. Uh, you know the, the the NBA champions from only a season ago. It feels like for like a, a a century ago that we Jordan and I were talking about the Boston Celtics crumbling in the finals to them. Uh, but you know here we are, and uh, you know they're they're kind of at their lowest point that they've been in uh, you know the last year and a half, two years. Uh, and this is not something that I think they're comfortable with. And you know getting a guy like Wiggins is gonna help them both mentally and just physically, they're going to be able to play so much better with him on the court. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Andrew Wiggins can be that 
X factor for the Warriors. But uh, in, in other news from around the NBA, besides my boy Wiggins coming back, maybe uh, Nikki Nurse getting sent out. Uh, something that uh, you know, I've, I've even floated the idea around uh, throughout this podcast this season. Uh, a guy who I was always huge on, defended, loved, thought thought the world of him, especially, of course, during uh, you know his first season, the, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, for anyone who is uh, newer to the podcast, uh, there, you will get some homerism here. Uh, both Jordan and I are, are based in the six. And, uh, you know, Nick Nurse... He was uh, he was a huge part of that championship run, and you know he does have a, one of the best defensive minds in the league. Uh, you know you have to give him credit, but offensively, this guy has got to figure some shit out. Uh, I, I mean, like it's it, I, I've said it before. When you don't have Kawhi Leonard on this team, you've had virtually no success. You beat the Brooklyn Nets without, uh, I believe, uh, D'Lo was out, or maybe it was Kevin Durant was out. I think maybe Kevin Durant was already on that team, but it was like a Spencer Dinwiddie bubble team. Like that, okay, that's that's great, great work. Uh, you got the only sweep in franchise history too with that one. Uh, so that you know that should be a little bit telling right there. Um, but then, anyways, then you go and you drop that game seven and uh, a winnable game against the Boston Celtics. I mean, the the whole course of history's changed. If we could go into the that bubble year. Uh, at, at length, and I know Jordan's brought that game up uh, against the Celtics quite a bit as well on this podcast. But so who knows? Maybe we'll do a retrospect one day. But uh, you know, Nick Nurse recently kind of uh, getting into uh, some hot, not hot water, I wouldn't say, but uh, definitely getting some that, some attention, some heads turning from uh, from the Raptors faithful after kind of three three games in a row. He's asked about his, you know, just if he wants to comment on the rumors that he's unhappy or the rumors that he's looking at to, you know moving out and stepping away from the Raptors and uh, possibly Ime Udoka coming in and replacing uh, Nick Nurse, which would be a uh, an interesting turn. Uh, a guy who was uh, a pretty amazing coach with the Boston Celtics last year and obviously uh, all that off-season drama and that mess uh, of a situation that ended up going down uh, led to his departure. So, I mean, on, I, if we're going to talk about that just on the, fly, on the whole of it here, if we're going to get Ime in exchange for Nick Nurse, I mean... Oh, off the court, whatever aside, this is great. That would be, you know, maybe this would be the change you need. If you're going to get a new coach in there, at least have someone that you're confident in. It's not someone that you have a question mark around. So that's pretty much all I'll say on that one because, you know, I'm not going to worry about that one until I have to. But right now, I just want to focus on what is Nick Nurse, what is his end game here? Because when he's talking in the media here, he's talking about how the team's performing and uh, it's always, it's never his fault, right? It's always someone else on the team's fault. It's, uh, oh, the team's not constructed right. Oh, the, the players, did, they weren't playing well enough. I don't know why, uh, you know, I, I, I play them 42 minutes a game. I don't, I can't explain. And he, get, he, gets, he gets snippy. But he, if, if he does anything right, if the Raptors are winning, you boy, howdy, you better give this guy credit. Uh, and, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that the Raptors have kind of gotten better in spite of Nick Nurse this season. I mean, again, the defensive intensity, and I think the way that he runs the team is great. But I don't think that those guys, like the main key players, really respect him. Like, I don't really know what the relationship with Fred and Pascal is like with Nick Nurse at this point. I mean, I think that they're just so used to the system and they do it so well. Like, they could do it in their sleep. Uh, And I think they're professionals. Like, I'm not saying that they're at each other's throats at this point. But I definitely think that maybe they're kind of like, you know, this guy is maybe not the one that's going to lead us here. Maybe, you know, that that guy that wore number two, he was pretty good. And that guy, number seven, they kind of helped out in uh, that 2019 year um, among a lot lot of other great players. Uh, Because since then, again, he runs the same shit and he gets the same results which is just mediocre play after mediocre play. Uh, The Raptors' half-court offense has looked just garbage for the better of the last three seasons. Like, And, I mean, 
you can also, you know, you can put point fingers at some of the players as well. I mean, obviously Pascal, you know, he's not, uh, he, he, he has, he says he has his off games. He has his on games, but as of late, I mean, it's, you can tell that there's just not really anything set up. Like he doesn't have a mind for scoring, uh, in that fashion. Like I really do believe outside of setting up set jump shots on the perimeter, he has no idea how to finish at the rim. He has no idea how to build a game plan that involves people driving and you know finishing at the cup with authority. And at the same time, I think that that kind of culture is rubbed off, and the Raptors aren't really a team that does that through contact. I mean, I'll give credit to you know Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, those guys. They're not afraid. They'll get in there. They'll drive. They'll hit the contact. But even Siakam with the spin moves, like you know, you can tell sometimes he doesn't really like the contact. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't handle it as well as a lot of other players. Uh, and again, not saying he's not a guy that can play that can't play through contact, but he uh, he definitely could. You know, maybe maybe not stop the I. Every single time that he gets the foul, you know, every, everyone who watches a, a Raptors broadcast, you can always hear him for a couple of those. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do think it comes down to Nick Nurse and what he's enforcing with these guys. And, uh, you know, if these rumors are true and if his kind of explosiveness and his uh, resentment and uh, all these other uh, kind of snide comments he's making out to the media at this point, I mean, he can walk. At this. I, I don't think that any Raptors fan or player or management at this point really cares to keep him around that long uh i mean obviously the the you know they're 500 right now the, the they're coming into the playoffs and you know i think this is really gonna kind of decide what direction this team is going to go in uh if they can go into the playoffs or they're gonna have to get through the play-in first off if, if they lose in the play-in nick nurse is gone i'll say that right now if they don't win the play-in uh then the the, the nick nurse is gone even if they win in the 9-10 if they end up falling in that not that range if they win the 9-10 lose to get the eighth seed I think he's gone either way. They got to make the playoffs or else he'll walk. And uh, I, it's it's tough because again, I, like I said, I'm being hard on the guy, uh, but you know I do respect him. I, I I do think he's one of the better coaches, uh, you know, in the league. Like again, if we're not getting Eme, then you know maybe uh, you know you want to hold on to him, for, uh, make sure you have the right candidate because you see other teams go through uh, you know the coaching carousel, the coaching hell, where they just can't find any basketball knowledge, any kind of a mind that can really help them out. Uh, yet you know that's something that we've been fortunate not to have to deal with for the last little while you know Dwayne Casey you know as a uh, as much as you know the Lebronto hurt you know he was always a great coach as well you know he he had his limitations and he had his uh, restrictions that held this team back but uh, at the end of the day he really did elevate the the Raptors to one of the most successful you know, tenures uh, in the in the club's history and uh, you know by having that followed by Nick Nurse has been solid so if if there is a coaching change you know it's always going to be scary but uh I, I think the Raptors management has done well at finding the guys to, to lead these teams. So uh, if they also think that, you know, maybe Nick Nurse is uh, overstayed his welcome, then who knows? Maybe it's for the best. But uh, to move on here, next up, we got some March Madness talk. And, uh, I, I mean, I wish renowned feminist Jordan Flegel was here. Uh, you know, he's he's always, uh, you know, pushing the WNBA. He loves it so much. He's uh, he, he watches every single game. Just ask him uh, to name two players. Uh, and it would it, be good because uh, he would be able to nail them, like, bang, bang, there's two NBA players. He'd say them right then. Uh, but right now we're actually focusing on the women's college basketball tournament uh ncaa championship game lots to break down there uh obviously tonight uh for anyone's listening before tuesday uh this is uh the my official pick right now san diego aztecs to cover seven and a half yukon wins the championship congratulations to the huskies uh but i was caitlin clark we got to talk about her because I think that this has come up a couple times with, uh, you know, uh, whenever someone truly gets hot and they truly just start 
putting the you know, women's basketball on the map for uh, the, the best of reasons, you know, just showing elite play uh, and, uh, you know, getting people interested in, uh, in the women's game, which is uh, always, uh, you know, an incentive uh, for, for anybody, uh, any true fan of sport. Uh, you want to see the game grow at all levels. And uh, Caitlin Clark's definitely someone you want to see. A trash talker that can shoot the three ball from anywhere on the court. Uh, great handles, uh, and, and you know she's got that flash. And I think she's a great player. And uh, it's it, I, I I honestly do think she if you took her because you know she's only she's a junior right now, so technically NBA eligible, WNBA. She still got one more year. But if you took Caitlin Clark, you put her through uh you know you put her on an NBA team, you gave her a couple minutes. I think she would be a better spot-up shooter off the bench than 90% of these fucking wannabes they got up there. Obviously, you know, she's not going to be throwing down dunks on anyone's head. And uh, I know the three-point line, the baller, uh, they're all, they're all a little bit uh, different from uh, what she's used to be playing with. But if you give her a little bit of time to practice the team, shoot around, and, and there's a lot of other, uh, you know, WNBA athletes as well, out there as well. As well. Even some of the, these other, uh, you know, athletes that we've seen through the March Madness tournament uh, on, on the women's bracket. It's, uh, there, there's no doubt that I think they could play at the, 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 the NBA level. You know, could they get picked on a little bit on defense, depending on the, uh, who, who they get matched up with? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, we're, 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 we're kind of thinking in hypotheticals here, so we're not going to dive too, too deep. But Caitlin Clark has to be looked at as kind of, if you're going to ever see that kind of intergender movement, uh, you know, a, a female player playing in the NBA, you know, this might be the exact kind of prototype of a player that could absolutely make it work uh, because she can handle herself out there. She's got enough speed. She's got enough size. Like there's NBA guards out there with similar kind of, you know, builds, length, height, and weight uh, as Caitlin Clark. And she can shoot the ball. Like, that's not a problem. And in such a perimeter-centric game, if there's ever a time to have somebody like her come into the NBA, this is the time. Uh, obviously, there would be a ton of different, uh, you know, restrictions and other uh, changes that we would need to see before, uh, you know, uh, something like this could ever even happen. But I think that the conversation needs to be had a little bit here. Could Caitlin Clark actually, you know, get in the NBA, sub into a game, and play and really go and show out there still. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not saying she's going to be, you know, LeBron James or anything, but, you know, who knows? I mean, like, look at fucking, like, Reggie Bullock. She could play like Reggie Bullock. I 100% believe she could be Reggie Bullock in the NBA. Uh, you know, if you, you just got to give her some time. Uh, but, you know, and one of the other things, though, to, to, to talk about here, because, uh, you know, Caitlin Clark's, you know, not just in the media right now because of her, uh, you know, her, her amazing, insane performances throughout the March Madness tournament. But, uh, you know, in the championship game, uh, LSU, uh, the the eventual champions, congrats to the, to the Tigers there. Go Tigers. Uh LSU, you know, feeling a little bit of disrespect, which was weird because it was like an inverse feeling of disrespect because Caitlin Clark disrespected South Carolina, so then that disrespected LSU. Uh, I don't know, you guys, if you guys, anyone can find the correlation here, I'm looking for it. But uh, either way, uh, you know, really getting in, uh, in in the Iowa superstars' face uh, throughout the, pretty much the entire game uh, was it was a one sided affair. Uh, I was was never quite close. That the the Caitlin Clark show had to come to a stop at at some point. But uh, you know, after all of this, you know, the dust settles. Uh, everyone's kind of looking at you know, what's going on on the court. And a lot of the LSU players, you know, they, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were talking their own shit. And you know what? They're winning. They're up. They can talk shit. What's wrong with that? It's sports. People do it. Everyone does it in the NBA. Everyone does it at, uh, you know, any pro level. I mean, the college basketball tournament shouldn't be any different. And, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't anything 
super disrespectful. You know, it's a John Cena. You can't see me. Who's really going to care about that? Uh, pointing to a ring on the finger. You just won the natty. Yeah, you can point to a ring on the finger. And then you've got people uh, like Dave Portnoy, the Barstool sports guy. Like, the fuck? One, what the fuck does that guy know? I've seen, I've seen the, the, the tape cut on you, Dave. You're not good, man. Uh, other than that, well, I mean, the fact that he's like 60 years old hanging out with like what is it, 18 year olds he does the drama drama podcast with? I don't know what that, that shit's called, but it's it's a little sad. Uh, you know, him, him calling her uh, a fucking idiot and uh, all these other, you know, people just kind of going after uh, the, the players on LSU. It makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Like, let the let these people have a little bit of personality for once, you know. Let them let them do this. Let them get in the media, whether 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 it's a good reason or not. Let them be iconic. Let them do the thing. There's a there's a lot to lot to be said about these athletes that uh, they don't get credit for. Uh, you know, you never want to hear the that that an athlete is boring. That's uh, that's always something that puts them in a box, and then forever they're known as boring. Uh, no matter what they do, it'll be like, oh look at the boring guys angry on the court. Look at the boring guy made a joke. Nobody gives a shit. Like that's literally been Kawhi Leonard's life to like a you know obviously a, a different. Agree, but there's there's a lot of players out there that have personality, and you know shit like this kind of forces them to never show it. Uh, I mean, the NHL. There's a lot of guys in the NHL that have crazy personalities. There's a lot of them that have shitty personalities uh, recently. Uh, but there's, uh, there's so many guys that are just afraid to say anything because they don't want anyone to give them any bad press. Uh, and it's like at the end of the day, I think whatever you do on the court. Just leave it. It has nothing to do with anything off the court, and I think that the the real people who actually watch sports and understand life uh, understand that. And they're not taking these things to heart. They're not thinking that uh, you know, oh, they're they're gonna they're gonna have to have words after this game or whatever. Like, it's between the lines, between the whistles. Nobody gives a shit if you point it to your finger. Nobody cares if you shush the crowd. Nobody cares about any of that. Uh, but if you do care, you might need to reevaluate things a little bit here. Uh, you know, chill out, hit the spliff. I don't know. Do whatever you need to do to clear your mind, but uh, don't get mad at uh, Caitlin Clark and any of these other athletes who, uh, you know, just showing a little bit of expression out there on the court, uh, getting getting feisty. You gotta love it. Uh, moving on, it's uh, it's time for, you know, we need to break this down. We need to talk about the legends of the game, some people who've carved out uh, what you could say were Hall of Fame careers. That's right. The uh, the 2023 NBA Hall of Fame was announced this weekend, and uh, it's headlined. Headlined by some pretty uh, impressive athletes that we've seen over the years. Uh, you know, first up, how about Dwayne Wade, one of the, the the greatest shooting guards of all time. Dirk Nowitzki, one of the uh, the arguably the greatest power forward of all time. Just uh, depends on your your cup of tea. A guy who just recently got his Lakers jersey retired. Pau Gasol, also getting uh, enshrined in this year's Hall of Fame class. And then this one's a great one. Uh, Tim Duncan's already in there. Uh, I believe Manu might already be there as well. Maybe he just got his... uh, I think Manu's in there. Uh, But... Tony Parker and Greg Popovich, uh, two of the you know key members of the uh, the Spurs dynasty, and also Becky Hammond, who was uh, who was an uh, assistant there with uh, the Spurs, uh, and you know six icons of the game. Uh, you know Becky Hammond, one of the, the, the uh, another great athlete as well as a coach, uh, both in the NBA, uh, WNBA as well as overseas. But uh, I mean Greg Popovich, the all-time winningest coach. In NBA history, uh, and and Tony Parker, he was a Finals MVP, uh, multiple time NBA champion. I mean, this is one of the best Hall of Fame classes I think I've seen in in years. Uh, you know, obviously we we saw a good one there, AI and Shaq and Yao Ming. That was a, a a great one, but I think this could give you 
give anybody really a run for their money. Uh, the class of 2023. Uh, this one is, uh, you know, it's undebatable. These are all people who, if I saw their name, they should be first ballot Hall of Famers, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Tony Parker, uh, you know, a lot of people really sleep on him. People who really, really got to watch him play in his prime. I mean, he was he was amazing. Uh, you know, maybe wouldn't translate quite as well into today's game, but uh, a really underrated and pesky defender and uh, a really smart player that was able to to kind of roll and run with uh, you know the other greats that were on the Spurs teams back then throughout their 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 two thousands late to, or early twenty tens. Pardon me. Uh, you know, run uh, five NBA championships. Tony uh, only part of uh, you know, three of those there. Uh, but you know, he really earned his keep there, and you know, one of uh, the 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 best point guards in the playoffs that uh, you know the NBA has ever seen. Uh, you know, we, we, we go back up, you know, Pau Gasol, uh, we, we, we talked about him at large uh, in a recent podcast, uh, you know, we're looking back on his jersey retirement ceremony with the Lakers. And one of the best two-way bigs, uh, you know, the game scene, was able to kind of keep his career longevity uh, and adjust his game beautifully. You know, in his later uh, years with the, the Spurs and the Bulls, I uh, was still an all-star starter with the Bulls, a lot of people forget, uh, you know, and was a, a solid player, you know, helped them get to the playoffs uh you know he was a a double double machine and you know like we've said uh before was a perfect fit with kobe bryant to get back to the nba finals and you know end up uh, winning two more championships there they lost one to the celtics but i mean Pau gasol is going to be remembered uh, I, I, uh, as one of the the greatest lakers uh maybe one of the, the maybe the uh, a second in command but uh you know obviously wouldn't have been able to get the job done without him uh and then the the big two the big the big draws the names here uh flash dwayne wade i mean uh, a three-time NBA champion, probably could have won an MVP uh, in his career. The finished second in voting, uh, the the one year, and uh, it, uh, he he still brings it up. He, he thinks he should have won it, and there's definitely an argument to be made. But uh, number three, what an, an iconic career, bounced around a little bit uh, at one point. But uh, I'm glad that you know I'll always remember as a Heat. I'm pretty much pretending that one weird year with the Bulls, where uh, if uh, Rondo didn't get hurt, they they would have upset the Celtics uh, with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, but uh, and then I'm definitely not the remembering when he was on the Cavs. That was no, nope, that didn't happen. Just just to the Heat, that was okay. Just the Heat, uh, and then obviously Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Paved the way for uh, you know the, not not too too many uh, notable German players, but a lot of solid role players. Those Germans they they really produced the uh, the Maxi Klebas of the world, the uh, the the Isaiah Hartensteins of the world. The, the, there's there's always a couple out there. Dennis Schroeder for God's sake, you know that, that everybody loves Dennis Schroeder, right? Uh, but Dirk Nowitzki uh, uh, really did you know blaze the trail for stretch bigs to be in the NBA. Nobody was seven foot and shooting it. 40% from three-point land. That was unheard of. Uh, I mean, even the best shooters in the league uh, weren't even shooting at the rates that he was hitting at times. Uh, you know, one of the best scores we've ever seen, that uh, one-legged fadeaway is iconic. Uh, and, you know, will go down as one of the most unguardable moves uh, in NBA history. And uh, for good reason, man, because, uh, again, you watch, you go back and you watch that, that championship season with the Mavericks 2010, uh, taking on LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade, uh, you know, fellow uh, Hall of Famer here, and, uh, and Chris Bosh. And he's just dominating. He, you can see at times maybe he's even the best player on the court. And this is right around prime LeBron. Obviously, that was a, a bit of a choke uh, choke finals for him. But 
you can't argue that Dirk Nowitzki, uh, one of the all-time greats. So I, I'm I'm ecstatic for this year's Hall of Fame class. Six for six, bangers. Uh, you know, great great selection here. Don't think there's any misses. Uh, you know, and it, this this is the this is what it's made of. This is the, hopefully there's going to be some great stories that come out uh, on that Hall of Fame uh, induction weekend. Uh, maybe uh, some memorable speeches we'll see. But uh, congrats to the, the the 2023 basketball Hall of Fame class. Uh, and to move on here. One more uh, big change, actually quite a few big changes coming to the NBA, but the the recent big change is that the CBA has officially been signed between the NBA and the Players Association. A new, uh, I believe, five-year deal that they're they're going to be working with, uh, which is going to actually change quite a bit next year. You know, big dog ball talk, we're going to have to really remember these changes because they are going to have huge impacts on uh, multiple areas of the NBA. Uh, and uh, the first one, maybe in, uh, one that, uh, you know, Jordan and I have kind of been putting in place already on our own ballots, our own selection, a self-induced criteria, uh, but now going to be mandated for all NBA end-of-season awards. Minimum 65 games if you are going to make it. Uh, that means, uh, you know, right now there's there's a quite a, there, there might even be a guy in the, the MVP race who's uh, barely at 65, and there's been players that have played less than 65 and won MVP or DPOY. There's been, uh, there's been lots of cases of this. So the minimum of 65 games is really going to incentivize uh, some of these superstars to not sit out, uh, which is, uh, you know, I I think a great idea, and I thought it was a great idea, and apologies to whoever uh, was the one that, uh, that pointed this out, but uh, I saw this on Twitter. Uh, a great example of this is if you ever go back to any kind of game tape of players at, near the end of the season, they will check into games just to say, you know, they'll come in and they'll commit a foul. And then they can say they played a certain amount of games and they hit an incentive bonus. You don't think of a player that's 63 games, they won't do this twice? It's possible. It's 100% possible the players are going to find the loophole here and the teams will find the loophole and the league's not going to be able to do anything about it. Uh, So as much as I'd like to think this is going to be a driving force for change, I also think that it's going to have negative effects. It's either going to be people doing it to kind of like find a, a sneaky way out of it. Maybe eventually they'll end up putting a minutes cap as well. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, I think that inversely it's also going to result in people just not even trying to win these awards. Like there's going to be people that are going to say, well, fuck it. If I can't win it at 65 games, I might as well only play 50 games and really rest. Uh, so, I'm I'm hoping that it, it will inspire people and it will make people want to to win the award and they'll want to play uh, the, these games to to ensure it. Uh, but you know the NBA is full of uh, interesting personalities and uh, controversial decision makers. So uh, I'm not sure if this is going to have the intended effect. Hopefully it does. Uh, but you know it, it, I'm definitely not opposed to this this change at all. I can say that for sure. I mean, if, if it can get more players, but you know the big names playing. Uh, you know, I went to the Miami Heat game last week. Uh, the Raptors slapped the shit out of them. Uh, large, largely probably because I was in uh, in their ear the whole time. Uh, whenever they came down the baseline, they didn't want to hear me. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a great game. But Jimmy Butler. Just uh, didn't want to play back-to-back games. They had to play the Knicks the next day, so uh, he sat out. Uh, it was like a right before a tip-off announcement. Kind of sucks, but I mean, uh, Jimmy, yeah, I guess you just run from the grind, and that's why you've never won an MVP, and you never will. Uh, so this, the 65 games. I hope this affects Jimmy, and I hope that maybe he he wakes up and smells the coffee and thinks, you know, if I actually want to be in the Hall of Fame, because right now he'd be missing out. Then um, you know, maybe an MVP would help you there, man. Uh, if you no, no MVP is ever missed. Uh, you know, Derrick Rose. We'll have that debate another day. Uh, uh, but uh, that, that day's not today. Uh, but the, the, let's hope the 65 games minimum helps. Another change that was made with this new CBA, 
all NBA teams now positionless. Uh, positionless all NBA teams don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, again, change not uh, not my biggest fan, uh, especially in uh, in this game. You know, the, the, I'm I'm pretty vocal about what I'd like to see change, but there's really not much. And having positionless all NBA teams, as much as it still makes sense, I just think that equal it should be equal though. I think that you know the the game works through the different positions. It doesn't work with just five point guards out on the court. It wouldn't wouldn't work that way. That's why the all NBA team should make sense to be an actual team. Uh, you know, some players I, I can see. You know, they play so many different positions. They're so versatile. You could consider them uh, a guard or a forward or a forward and a, and a center. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna argue that. But you know, to say it's gonna be totally positionless. Uh, you know, no requirements at all. Uh, it could be interesting. There's, that could if if you've had if you had this all NBA you know rule throughout time there's a like some there's probably some players that you might look at and think are bums because they would be missing out on so many all nba selections because there's a lot of guys who get snubbed from all nba every single year because there's always a, a a surplus at either guard or at forward i mean very rarely center in the past like 30 years uh so i mean there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of players who are also going to miss out on you know contract incentives that were signed before this rule. It's going to be uh, an interesting decision, and I'm. It's it, we said we talked about it last year. You know, having uh, Jokic and uh, Embiid be eligible for power forward and center on the first team, just so people could put them first team both of them. At the end of the day, maybe that should have been our uh, you know our wake up call that if they were gonna let that happen, then that was just to to set the stage for let's just let it let it fly. It's whoever uh, whoever's the five best players they can be all NBA first team. Uh, but uh, I don't want to see the center die out. I don't want to see the center die out, and I feel like this is them trying to phase out the big man. So uh, we don't. We'll, we'll all, I will not be silent on the matter. I will fight for the rights of the big men, the the lumbering uh, logs, the down low. In the center, uh, you know, we're we're gonna petition for them. We're gonna have their backs. Uh, they, that's what they needed—a five-eleven white dude to to defend their defend their right uh, to to guard the rim. The last thing that they changed, and you know, so I, I started off pretty happy to meh to now. This is fucking annoying and it's stupid. Mid-season tournament gonna be going down. Gonna happen. Mid-season tournament, two teams are gonna play an eighty-third game. Apparently, to play the final, which is the incentive is each player gets five hundred thousand dollars. That's the rumor. That's the word on the street. Uh, if that's the prize, nobody is going to fucking watch that. Nobody's gonna care. There's no like it does. It, I, I I just don't understand why they push this whole tournament thing so much. Like nobody, nobody, the fans don't care about the players' contract. They don't. The only thing they care about is how much it is so that way they can afford other players. Nobody actually gives a shit how much they make. That's great. It's all just numbers to us because we're never going to touch any kind of wealth like that. So at the end of the day, why why do I care if they make $500,000? If a player makes $30 million a year, they aren't even going to notice five hundred grand. Uh, like, oh, yeah, this is great for some of these guys on a vet minimum or something or uh, you know a, a rookie on a two-way that's eligible for this. But... Like, like, this is no incentive for the fans. Like, they've got to have to add something that has any kind of relevance to a team's success. But then again, it's like, why reward someone for something for the end of the year during the middle of the year? Uh, or why, like, I, I don't think this is going to work out at all. Adam Silver, again, is just obsessed with these weird, shitty changes. And I think, I, I think Jordan has also expressed this on, on, on the podcast in recent, you know, weeks. 
uh, maybe even the last month or so. But Adam Silver, you're kind of fucking sh- this shit up, man. You're kind of screwing up. You're you got you got to get your fucking bald head on a swivel at this point because we we need to figure this out. Uh, and it's definitely not it's definitely not working. I don't like these changes. That that David Stern would not have had this shit happen. He would have had everybody in line. Nothing out of this would have been happening. All this craziness that's been going on in the NBA the past year and a half. Uh, so Silver, this is the last straw. I swear to God, the midseason tournament is annoying. Jordan and I will go to the midseason tournament, and we will make sure that it doesn't. We'll, we're gonna boycott it. We're gonna we're gonna pull with those. Uh, I believe it was the the, the Grizzlies, maybe it was the Timberwolves, uh, whoever it was. That we're gonna glue our fucking faces to the floor. Uh, you know, take it one step further. Those uh, those animal rights activists have nothing on the big dogs. Uh, so uh, you know, don't don't find out if this is if this is a threat or if this is a promise. Just make the change. No midseason tournament. We don't want to see it. Uh, but to end off here on a high note, it's big dog of the month award. <laughs> March. Now Jordan's not here. This is the first time I've given it a solo. I just I thought I thought about should I wait for him? Should I even consult him? And then I thought fuck him. Uh, and also on top of it, I decided to go double fuck him because the player who I've selected, he had nine double doubles in March. He averaged just over four offensive rebounds per game. Uh, one of the leaders in the NBA in rebounds. Still averaged block and a half a game, and he really got. The Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves rolling. Rudy Gobert. Gobert, the big dog of the month for the first time ever. Uh, always fit the criteria, uh, but just was never selected because, uh, you know, well, I, I'm not his biggest fan either, but Jordan hates him. Uh, and so I think this is a, a perfect fuck you to Jordan. If he's listening, uh, I hope he loves this. Uh, but it is deserving. It is deserving. He could have won it multiple times before. He's never even gotten it. This is the first ever Rudy Gobert Big Dog of the Month award win. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to send him uh, one. We, 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 Jordan can speak a, a little bit better French than me, so maybe he can try it. Uh, I don't know how well it will translate the, the Quebecois French to uh, the, the real French, so we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, uh, we hope that uh, that the Tabernacle uh, Gobert enjoys, and uh, this is a, a prestigious award. I, 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 he probably, like, he cried when he missed the All-Star game one year. So, obviously, you know, he probably, every 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 month, he probably tunes in and he listens, oh, I, I really hope. I hope this is the month. This is the month. He probably isn't even listening anymore. Here's Jordan make fun of him because Jordan's such a fucking bully. Uh, and, and at this point, he probably does. Yeah, Rudy, if you're still listening, man, I got your back. Uh, you, you and to do me a favor. I, I got some money on you guys to lose. So if you're cool to to sit out a couple games or uh, or actually take take as many shots as possible, Rudy. That's what I would like you to do. I want you to take as many shots as possible. Uh, that would be that would be perfect. Uh, so just do that, and everything will be good, and you'll win Big Dog of the Year. Uh, I'll guarantee it. Uh, but uh, another way you can win Big Dog of the Year, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, any social media. We're out there, Facebook, YouTube, at Big Dog Ball Talk. Give us a follow. Uh, you know, helps us grow, helps us uh, bring you guys more content. Uh, and, and more frequently, more uh, you know, we want to get the bells and we want to get the whistles out here. We want to bring you guys uh, something, something really special. So uh, you know, get at us at Big Dog Ball Talk. Let us know uh, if you have any uh, any questions, any takes you want to hear us uh, break down, any kind of content you want to hear us uh, discuss, uh, or if you have questions, trivia, anything. We want to do it. We want to talk to you. We want to hear from you at Big Dog Ball Talk. Uh, this has been Matt Acorn signing off. BDBT, and that's my good friend Jordan. Always says, and he does say this. He says, if you if you follow someone on Instagram once, 
they accept it. Unfold. 